How's it going, everybody? Josh here with Dedicated Health, and today I am being joined with Joe Downing back in office. So I don't know if you caught our last podcast, but we covered some knee health and knee pain issues. Today, Joey's back to talk to us about uh, back pain and some cool stuff about it, like what it is, how to help with it, and all that fun stuff. So, Joey, what is back pain? Okay, so that's a loaded question. Um, Before we get started on this topic, I want to correct myself. Two things I misspoke last time. Um, I listened to the podcast, making sure I didn't say anything too far off, but I did misquote. I said there's about 200 orthopedic specialists. I didn't add the words in Indiana. There's other ones in other states and um, actually had the exact number. Since 2018, there's been 186. Um, after 2018, let's add some more. So let's just say about 250 in Indiana as a guesstimation. So I want to correct that. Also, knees over toes guy. I listened to him on Rogan and uh, the guy seems to know what he's doing. Um, I think he's legit. And if you follow his stuff, I think he's genuinely trying to help people. So um, he gets the green light from me. Okay. Um, today, back pain. So let's get into the prevalence and things like that to say why it's such a important topic to cover. Um, most people have experienced it. Mm -hmm. Um, if you look at the number three reason people see their primary care doctor, it's for back pain. So number three reason people come in the office. Um, now from there, it's like, what do we do to treat it? Um, another statistic just to get how important this is. If you look at, and this is a stat from 2010, so it's going to be more numbers than this. Um, but you're looking at, back pain costs in the healthcare system somewhere between 560 to 635 billion dollars a year whoa um and that's not total cost either we're looking at time off work quality of life things like that to put that in perspective um heart disease is 309 billion so heart disease a year is less expensive than back pain cancer is 243 billion so back pain in itself costs more money than basically those two combined and, and we see the prevalence of that walking around um really kind of a, a, a big number that we have to address. Now, most people um, get into a different thing here. Before we address like, how do we fix back pain? We need to clear the space of two different definitions. Um, a lot of people experience pain and let's give a different body part. You roll your ankle mm-hmm. and this ankle's red, it's hot. You look at that angle, like, damn, this thing is in pain. Okay. Pain is... I'm gonna, I'll give you the definition and, and we'll back this up. We need to know what the definition of nociception is and pain. Those are two different things. Mm-hmm. And this is an experiment everybody can do. Take your arm and pinch it, right? You feel that. Okay, you're stimulating the nerve endings in your skin and then they go up to the spinal cord, up to the brainstem, through the brain. And your brain looks down and goes, oh, look, I'm being pinched. It's a warning system, mm-hmm. right? Your nerves being stimulated in the tissue sending a signal to your brain is nociception. Pain's different. Pain is how your brain processes this. Um, let me give you a definition of pain. And I want to say it twice so people can really dive into this. And, and this is the newest update on July 16, 2020. Uh, this is the International Association for the Study of Pain. Legit. Their definition. And I'm going to drink a water because I'm already drying up. It is described as pain is an unpleasant sensory an emotional experience associated with or resembling that associated with actual or potential tissue damage. Again, unpleasant sensory and emotional experience associated with or resembling that associated with actual or potential tissue damage. Huh. So emotion is factored into it too? Absolutely. We're getting that today. So most people, when they're experiencing pain, they think something is wrong with the tissue. That's your alarm going off. Something's wrong here. I don't want to die. I tend to think of the human body and the brain as two separate entities that need each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where I heard the term meat wagon, but I love it. <laughs> um, your brain seriously sees your body as, again, let's go back to the very rudimentary caveman brain and body. Okay. Your brain sees your body as a meat wagon carrying it around to do three things. One, suck down oxygen so the brain doesn't die. Suck down some glucose and procreate. All right. Now, anything that your brain sees as a threat to that, it's a no-go. It wants to prevent that because it wants to do its first three things. Now, it's more complex than that, but that's how my brain processes this. Mm -hmm. So, if your brain thinks anything going on is a threat, it's going to set the alarm off. So, you pay attention to it. All right. So, 
pain is not something you feel. It's an experience. And again, if, if you want to like question me on this, I get you, but I'd be happy to present the data. And I think that right there is a reason it's so damn expensive and so disabil- uh, disabling. I th- I'm pretty sure it's, I don't want to misquote here, but like back pain is like one of the top reasons for disability in the United States and in developed countries. So this might be an indication of why we suck so bad at treating it. That actually makes perfect sense from like my point of view, because I have a sales background. Um, sales are completely driven by emotion. And if that is our highest selling, like highest cost thing we have, then it makes sense because it's emotionally driven so much. So yeah, that makes perfect sense. So to kind of understand this, there's a really good TED talk um, that kind of explains this and, and it's on YouTube. Um, but I think, you know, we're, we're, we're diving into something where most people listen to this going, I think this guy's full of shit. Again, I got the research to prove it. If you want to look up a TED talk that gives a good example, it's kind of funny. Um, Lamar or Lamir Mosley, L A or L O R I M E R M O S E L E Y. And the TED talk is Why Things Hurt. Very good to watch that. And it goes into depth on these things we're going to talk about today. But seeing it is another way to get that information and then maybe they can make more sense of it than our discussion today. Okay. So if we know there's all these drivers, I want to call it drivers of pain. Again, if it's not just nociception of the tissue, which can cause back pain. Mm-hmm. I mean, these things all overlap. It's not like I'm saying, oh, you're crazy. It's in your head. But I'm going to give some examples today on a couple of cases where it literally was not the tissue damaged causing their pain experience. Um, these are real people I've treated. I've got them through there. So it's not like I haven't seen this. But people need to realize this is what I see all day long is a lot of back pain. It's like my number one thing I see. Um, and we get a lot of tough cases. And so the old way of treating it by throwing a hot pack on it ain't going to cover it. And again, I'm a small business owner. If I don't fix it, I'm going out of business. Exactly. So th- this is kind of how we do this. Um, I brought some research articles and stuff today because I want to explain all this. And I want to have some research, I think, to, to get some belief. I better um, have something to prove it. Yeah, have the facts to back um, it. So my wife and I were still on the couch last night going over, like, what would you want to know? And um, some things would be like, well, is there home remedies they can do? What's some signs of scary and things like that? So before I jump into how we kind of break down pain and fix it in clinic and how we subclassify things, which we'll get more to, just some things on top before we lose listeners. Mm-hmm. Let's go over scary. So people want to know, am I safe? Right. Your alarm's going off. I'm hurting. Well, there's some signs where you need a further workup. And again, everybody goes, do I need an image? Do I need an x-ray? Do I need an MRI? They think that an x-ray and MRI are going to tell them where they're hurting. That makes sense. That's what you've been told in medicine. Your, your cousin or something had a knee thing, had an MRI. But really in medicine, MRIs for back, mm-hmm. for example, or, or x-rays are to determine safety. Right? It doesn't tell me how I'm going to fix it. But it's let me know if something's scary there. Do I have cancer? Am I broken? Is there something in there that's age-related causing this? Here's the things you would worry about. And I'd honestly say probably get it looked up by either your PCP immediately, your primary care doctor, or go to the ER or urgent care. You know, if you have a history of cancer, you get some weird things going on associated with back pain, get it checked out. A recent fall, trauma, fall off a horse, get it looked out. You know, this back pain is accompanied with weird GI stuff. Like, yeah, when I eat, I don't hurt. But then I go to the bathroom and it hurts. Like, that might not just be back pain. That might be radiant pain. Mm-hmm. Things like scary people go, well, I have this sciatica or I have this nerve going on my leg. I go, well, okay. Pain down the leg by itself is not a scary thing. I see it all day. But if it's, hey, I'm having a hard time peeing, red flag. Hey, my leg's giving out. I can't fill my leg. Those are all signs of of. Something get looked at. It might be emergency. It might not. I have people that come in the office. We move them and their leg feels better immediately. But if you're having all those things together, don't play around with it. Get looked at. It's time to get things checked. That's the signs of scary. So if you're having fever, fatigue, weight loss, change in bowel habits, night sweats, day sweats, weird things associated with back pain. Well, back pain, it might not be just back pain. It might be something more serious. Get it looked at. Okay. So that's to answer that question. Um, my wife goes, well, what's, what's scary to look at? Um, Say it's acute. I'm having pain right now. What do I do? Like, well, what were you doing that caused it? Well, I was lifting or moving you know, for the gym people. I'm like, well, you probably didn't cause anything scary, but you just tweaked your back. What to do immediately? Kind of rest, trying to find some position or movement of comfort and stay with that. And if it doesn't go away quickly, because most people are going to resolve on their own. Mm-hmm. Most people, great. Uh, don't come see me. But if you're not getting better within a few days and it's getting progressively worse, then get looked at. Um, but just get how you're comfortable. Some people go, well, do I need to eat or ice? I'm like, well, in the absence of trauma, whatever the heck feels good. 
you're not going to fix it with ice or heat, but it's going to give you a new sensation. You're going to be able to start moving and getting back to life. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. <clears throat> Let's jump to drivers of pain. So there's an article here and I want to pass it over. I'm going to have you kind of read some numbers. Um, patients commonly will come in and go, my doctor wants me to do therapy before I can do my MRI. And I go, okay, well, your doctor feels you're safe. I go, well, I think I have to just do therapy. I go, well, no, no, no. I'm going to get you out of here if you need the MRI. I'll be able to tell. But when we start looking at imaging on patients, we start seeing things that might not be relevant. And I have some numbers. So I'm going to have you read them. I'm just going to read the research article. This article, just to tell the listeners, was published uh, 14, 2014. It's a meta-analysis. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's systematic uh, literature review. So it's not just one study. This is multiple studies and they took that data and they gathered together. It's a good research article. This one's specifically for low back. It's very similar to neck. So a lot of things I'm about to say about back today are almost interchangeable with neck, just spine. Um, but I want you to read some of the, what they call age-specific prevalent estimates of degenerative spine images in, as- in asymptomatic patients. What you have on the inside, you don't hurt. This study was done on patients, well, people that had to meet two criteria. One, you have no back pain. Two, you're 18 and can consent to get in the MRI. Okay, now I'm sure you can have a pacemaker because you can't get an MRI as a pacemaker. But these people had no pain. That's the takeaway I want you to listen to. On there, pick an age group, let's say 30-year-olds, and pick something on the left. Let's go to degenerative disc disease. What percentage of patients or people walking around 30 years old have disc degeneration with no pain? At 30? 52%. Okay, go up um, to 50 years old. Same thing. Uh, 80%. Go to 90. 96%. Okay, let's go to something else. Let's go to disc bulge. So how many people in their 30s have a disc bulge on MRI findings that do not hurt? Did not know they had this. 40%. Go up to 60. 69%. Go up to 90. 84%. These things happen just like gray hairs on our head, or in my beard as my wife noticed this week, or the crow's feet. Imaging does not always explain pain. Now, can it? Yes. If I have the patient that walks in that tells me they're having a hard time peeing and I can't get any reflex in their knee, I'm going to send them for the MRI. And that MRI finding might be indicative of something neurologic going on. But if a patient comes in with me and they have disc degeneration, I go, do you hurt? They go, no. I go, age-related. So imaging in and of itself is for safety, not for always explaining your pain. Can it be associated with? Absolutely. I've seen it. But why are we going to waste Two grand, but it's not going to improve outcome. And actually, there's research showing if I if you get a patient that has no back pain, and they tell them something's wrong on their MRI, their quality of life is less. Literally, there's been studies done on this. Short form 36 is a quality of life assessment. It's been shown that if you tell someone something's wrong with them, they think their body's broken. Right. So it can help, but it can also be pain or can be um, detrimental. All right. So if we have all these different drivers of pain, and yet MRIs don't tell us what's wrong, what the hell do we do? So we've found out through the literature, and again, I got I got another thing here, another research article to prove it. Um, recently, the American Physical Therapy Association, the Journal of Orthopedic and Spine Physical Therapy, was, was part of them. It's a pretty good article or pretty good um, publisher. It's just very much recognized internationally as quality, peer-reviewed. They just came out with their 2021 clinical practice guidelines. We revise them every 10 years. The association, we pay them our dues. They get a bunch of smart people together. They go, what's in the research update for 10 years? They go and they review all of it. And they bring it back and they synthesize it for us. Any PT should know this. If yours doesn't, you should fire them or tell them to go read it. <laughs> um, we don't use leeches on people anymore, guys. So, and gals, so make sure Wait, your PTs. Well, it just doesn't work. Um, <laughs> and again, I, I don't know everything, but I try to stay up on the literature. And I want to do the best evidence-based care for my patient. Um, so what does that look like? It's currently recommended that patients be subclassified, right, based upon their presentation um, and not just presentation as far as how they move, but also the psychological factors here. Um, We know that, and I'm going to give you this, Josh, let me pull this up. I think it was this article. Um, That's a really good picture. Okay, here. So imagine if they can't see this, and I'd be happy to give you a copy of it. Imagine we have a, a pizza or a pie. And I'm going to break it up into five different slices. Now, these five different slices are different domains, different subcategories on what's driving this patient's pain experience. Um, Look at that, Josh. And we'll go through this. So 
And it might not just be like one cut and clear thing. You know, people are more complex than that. And patients' pain experience has to do with a lot of factors. Um, and I'm going to dive into some examples of that today that will kind of explain how this, this match. But we know that certain patients are going to have pain because that nociception, because tissues got irritated. Absolutely. If I come up and kick you in your back and you have a bruise, we have clearly damaged tissues and they need to heal. All right. Now, another patient might come in and, you know, let's go to, they don't move well. And it's a mechanical movement stress, things I specialize in. Then a certain mechanical load will improve their experience. It's also nociception. Now, we do know there are other, other things driving the boat here, right? And, and it can make the pain experience, back to that word, it's not, not nociception, it's experience different. You could have someone that has a, sure, a mechanical thing, not moving well, or an inflammatory thing. They've, they've gotten bruised or whatever. But they've also seen both their parents go through back surgeries. And they also fear that if they can't move their back, they're going to be on disability. And so maybe there's some other drivers here that made that experience worse. We call contextual fear avoidance. You know, it's not just the tissues damage problem here. Now, when we have patients come to our clinic, and, and this is a lot of the clinics, we screen them for these things. You know, especially I'm, I'm treating people that have been having back pain for years. Your cells turn over. If that tissue was damaged, it's new tissue now. Your cells have turned over. So it might not just be that causing the boat here. And let me give you examples. All the listeners go, I'm not following them. Um, I had a recently younger patient come in the clinic and they, um, came in and listened to this young girl, uh, young, young female, high school age, terrible back pain, eight out of 10, I believe her. And she can't move. So we start moving her and I was like, okay, this is, this is an easy one. Just move this way and everything's clearing up. Testing the clinic. She's doing great. Sent her home with that exercise. Came back. I'm doing great, Joe. Fantastic. Starting to move on, get this process going. Trying to get her back to, to running, things like that. Did fine in clinic. Did not have any pain. Did not get worse. And I was putting physical stress on the tissues. Running up and down, way through the spine. If it was like that sprained ankle that is swollen, that would probably piss it off. Didn't. So that tells me something about it. How it behaves tells me something about this thing. Mom called me uh, a week later. She goes, she is miserably in pain. I go, Okay, well, what happened? And it was, I can't get into too many details due to HIPAA, but it was an activity that could have explained it, but not really, not why it came on like that. Why it was hurting at school sitting in the chair. You just ran on this back. You know, there's some people that need change in their postures, but not an eight out of 10. Coming at eight, three. Came in, I'm like, all right, start talking to me. Tell me how this behaves. Every patient's a puzzle. It wasn't necessarily physical triggers that were causing her pain. It was all mental. For example, I had a journal in, so I, I don't, I don't know. So I started to look at this. I go, maybe it's not this nociception. Maybe it's a, another driver here. I go journal when your pain hurts. She did good, good patient. Came in, post a note. Turn in an assignment to the teacher. She was not happy with. No pain prior to that. Went to an eight out of ten. Sitting class. Okay, she was fine later in the day. Her and a friend got into an argument or something. Pain went to an eight out of ten. That wasn't a physical stressor. Yet her pain went up. So these are these other things that make the experience worse. The way I process it in my brain, I try to explain this to patients because once you start telling someone it's in their head, they kind of look at you like, you're not listening. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not saying your pain's in your head. I'm saying 100% of everybody's pain's in their head. Mm -hmm. now, what's stimulating that pain? Your brain doesn't care. Again, back to that, that um, your body beating meat wagon. Your brain doesn't give a damn if it's a real threat, like in, I'm, I twist your ankle and I can't walk in or a mental threat. It doesn't care. You still experience pain. I think of it like, yeah, you got something tweaked in your back, you strained your back, but it shouldn't be the nine out of 10. Something's turning the volume up here. What else is going on in your life that's causing this? Had another patient, friend of mine. Okay, she caught a hold of me. She goes, Joe, I need you to get me in. I'm miserable. All right, I have a spot at lunch. You're my friend. Come in, bring some lunch. Came in the clinic, and I know this person, so I, I already know her. She was kind of off mentally. I'm like, okay, something's stressing her, but people being in pain will stress you out if you've ever worked with people in pain. Listen to her and I'm moving her and I can't hurt her. And I go, what the heck is this? Finally, I go, so-and-so, I go, what's going on? I go, you seem stressed. I go, there's something else driving this right now. I go, is your husband cheating on you? And she goes, no, Joe. I'm like, okay. I go, you know where I'm going with this. I go, what else is going on in your life that is stressing you out? Not related to your back. She had nothing in her history to make her back. Like, there was no like, I lifted a box. There was no trauma. It didn't make sense. Her stepdaughter moved in. The one she hated. Oh, sorry, God. 
And I look at her and I go, yeah, send her on vacation for a week. She goes, what? I'm not sending a little bride. I go, get her out of your house for one week and come back next week. Get her out of the house ASAP. She came in, brought lunch again. She goes, well, she goes, you can't help me. I go, okay. <laughs> Why? She goes, because I don't hurt right now. I go, all right. So what do you think it is? And she already knew. She goes, it's her. I go, your brain don't care, dear. Does not care. You're going to experience pace until your life's balanced. I go, so mend the relationship or kick her out. But that's your, that's what you got to do. Kicked her out. She did fine. So again, these are real life cases I've seen where it isn't a physical driver. But if you have a hammer and everything looks like a nail, guess what you're going to do? Again, I tell every patient, my goal isn't to make a round peg fit in a square hole here. I got to understand you because I won't know what to give you until you understand it. But again, it's that subclassification. It's not every patient is the same. You got to understand there's other things driving the boat here. And again, we're finally getting there in the pain research here. Some clinicians aren't up to date on this, but if they're reading the research here and, and Joshua tests, I got articles over the table. Yeah. You, you kind of have to follow the evidence here and we got to kind of change what we're doing. Some patients will go, I've done PT. They've moved me. I'm going to go, have they screened for this other stuff? What else is going on here? You know, f- uh, let me get something totally different. In the research, if a patient, and I, I, I hate when they come in, if a patient is in litigation for an injury, back pain specifically, nobody, and uh, the research pretty much was almost... 100% of those people will not fully resolve until litigation's over. There's something with that stress there. Not saying they have a secondary gain. They might not be getting anything all from this. But that stress, they'll never fully get better. And I kind of tell patients, I go, let's shoot for 90. As soon as that's ever come back, we'll get that 10. Because it's not. Just know that. But it still means you're going to be okay in the long run. It's just we got to get you back after this is out of litigation. So again, when you see that, there's other things driving the boat here. And these are good people. These aren't people asking to be in pain. But they don't know this. No one's ever explained to them that nociception, tissue damage, and pain are two different things. But if you fail to look at the person as a whole and you're missing it, not getting better. And they're not hard to fix. Sometimes, I mean, I've had patients where I have to get them to the right mental health specialist. I go, listen, your depression and anxiety is running this. I know exercise is great to help with that and I'm going to help you with that. But I can't manage that other part and I need their help. Usually, you no know, teaming up like that, things are great. Now, you have some people that have such, and again, this, this pie here, it doesn't mean that you, this pie chart we're talking about doesn't mean that you're going to fit perfectly into one sliver. You might have multiple and different ones. And I might have to team up with someone. I had a lady come in or a gentleman come in. He's, I saw him for his neck. So he trusted me. Literally come in, bit over. I go, stand up. He goes, I can't. I go, why? He goes, it shoots down to my foot. I go, oh, lay on your belly. Just jump right off the table. He goes, nope. I go, why? He goes, it shot down my leg. I'm like, I'm just trying to get you unloaded. Two hours in clinic. It looked like someone was irritating his nerve root, but he still had a reflex. So I'm like, we're safe. You can still pee. We're good. You're not irritating it so much where it's a medical emergency. After about two hours in the clinic, me and Adam trying to get this thing to calm down. I'm like, dude, we're done. I go, you have, in my guess here, you've an inflamed nerve from something in your back, causing it to go down. And you need medication, by the way. I go, but you need to get out of my office. and you need to go back to your PCP. End up needing an injection in his back. Came back to me after that. Feeling great. Again, you're chemically inflamed. I'm a PT. I'm a movement guy. I'm not going to mess around medications. It's outside of my scope or my knowledge set. I'm not that smart. But working whatever's driving that pain, figure that out and you can do that. Move on. Adam and I are McKinsey clinicians, McKinsey train. And for some reason we get labeled as, I mean, look at the McKinsey method or MDT as these like Kool-Aid drinking people over here. I go, no, I go, it's an assessment tool. It might tell me to get this patient out of my office, but it helps me get the answer by subclassifying what is driving this pain so I can give it the right intervention. If you go into a therapy clinic and everybody's getting the same intervention, walk away. They're not, they're not listening to you. They're not figuring it out. And it's a freaking process. But once you find the right subclassification, the research clearly shows patient outcomes are much better. Yet what's causing the pain? It's, it's complex. It's not just, I tweak my back. It could be something else driving this here. Emotional, cognitive, patient beliefs. We have a patient right now that she had a car wreck and she literally will ask me every time, am I okay? Am I okay? I'm like, yeah, you're safe to move. I go, if you be getting worse, don't you think you'd be seeing things? Yeah. Once she got rid of that fear avoidance and gets back into exercise... She's fine now. But until you get, figure out that hers is driven mostly on her brain right now and mm-hmm. fear that she's going to get better, once we got her safe to move, oh, I'm fine. You go, if you were worse, I go, how had you been over 50 times? If you think your spine was unstable, don't you think that would cause a problem? Oh, I guess so. Click. I'm safe to move. No fear anymore. That's awesome. I never knew that pain was so mentally driven. Like that's a, that's a very revolutionary like thing i had no idea it's it's and it's a hard concept i, I have my doctor in pt and i have board certified ortho and, and, and specialty training it's hard for me 
doesn't change the fact that we're finally understanding the pain science here and we have to move forward with it. The problem is a lot of patients I get, so the one thing I get, they, they come in and think I'm like, oh, it's in your head. I can, no, no, I'm listening to you. It's partly in your head. 100% of people's pain in their head. But a patient experiencing back pain that just tweaked it and is 20 years old, oh, I strained a little bit. They have no fear of avoidance versus the 40-year-old man whose wife is um, you know, on cancer treatment. He's a sole income and they're barely making a buy now his back hurts and he's fear if he, his boss will fire him if he has any back pain at all. I mean, those are two different experiences. Right. So each each patient, what's driving it in their cases? Same injury for both patients, same imaging for both patients. Two have different experiences. It's complex. And so it, it, it really is harder. And that's why some people fail to get better when they when they go for just one treatment. So for example, say it's a mechanical thing, something not moving well. Great. A PT should be able to do that. But what if you come in the clinic and I'm just moving everybody? It's like I have a hammer and everybody's a nail. Um, one thing I want to get into day two is uh, my wife goes, talk about chiropractors. I'm like, Okay, they're not bad people. But one one of the gym members here, he said that, and this is his words. He goes, dude, I go in there. He goes, I give him a 50 bucks. Everybody's lined up on the table. They do the same damn thing to every, every patient. And I walk out in five minutes. I go, well, if I have this to sell you, it's what I'm going to sell you. <laughs> right? That's what I offer. But I don't think that's how patient care should be looked at, especially back pain. It's, let me figure this out, and then I'll tell you what we need to do. But you need to have a system that subclassifies it. I use the McKinsey method. I'm training it. I, I think... It's the best that we have right now for what I've been trained in, but I've also been trained in the functional movement system, FMS, the selective functional movement assessment, which is a tool to break things down. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I looked at a lot of stuff, dry needling. I, 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 I've done dry needling. I'm certified. I, I'm two levels in it, but it's like, what is it doing? It's like, I have a lot of different ways of looking at this, but it doesn't matter which system you use. It should be able to classify the patient so you know what the hell to do with them. Like subclassify them. Hey, if your patient's having problems with it not moving well, get them moving. If your patient has emotional drivers, figure that out and give them the right intervention. Even if you're not the one to intervene, but figure it out by on this presentation and give them what they need. Um, so that's kind of when people go, what do I need to do for back pain? I go, we got to figure out what the heck it is. Mm-hmm. For the most part, without scary things, if people just get moving, they'll be fine. But what do we do when we're three months out, four months out and you can't figure it out on your own? That's when you need someone to assess you. Again, yeah, I'll put a plug in for myself. Come see Joe down at Valley Rehab. But it's like, I don't care if you're in another state. Find someone that can actually assess you, listen to you. And again, when I when I interview patients, about 90% of what I need to know, they tell me. The last 10% of my assessment is confirmed what they just told me. It's like, well, based upon your presentation, we should see this, this, and this. This is my, hypothet- uh, my hypothetical process. I'm thinking, eh, it's probably this based on what you told me. But if no one's listening to you, you got a problem. You won't catch those factors. You won't catch that my wife's on cancer, things like that. So again, back pain is complex, but it can be figured out. Um, let me see what I have in my notes here. Um, Cairo versus PT gets brought up a lot. A lot of patients go, well, I have a Cairo. Is that good or bad? I go, at the end of the day, a chiropractor and a PT are movement specialists. Very clear. We're improving the quality of patient's life through movement. Whether I have to talk to them about their psychological factors or not, I'm improving. I can't go walk. Well, let's figure out why I can't go walk because you're back. Let's get it taken care of. I think any therapist, chiro or PT, that is constantly applying a passive treatment will never have the outcome you want. Um, chiropractor, I, I know a chiropractor that if he evaluated and I evaluated you, you wouldn't know. If we hit our name tags, you wouldn't know who's a PT and a chiro. And he's also McKinsey trained, but it's a system. You know, if if I find a patient's not moving well, so let's just clear it here. The word alignment for backs. No, it's quack. You know, the um, there's no such thing as alignment of back. You know, people go, well, I had an X-ray, the chiro X-ray, I mean, they showed me, go, okay, you do me a favor, slouch over, take an X-ray, sit up tall and make an X-ray. They're going to look different. Now, this is a dynamically moving thing and we're trying to say why you hurt to move with a static picture. Uh, that don't make sense. But if, again, I might catch a flash from chiros, but we can go to war over it, that's fine. If I'm telling you, Josh, that you're out of alignment, you're scared to death, you're going to get back out of alignment. Now I got I to gotta line you. So I got to pop you or manipulate you, put you back in, which I don't really know any literature to show something putting back in. I haven't ever seen any literature showing that. Do people get better with manipulations? Yes. It's a totally different thing than putting something back in. But if I say that, I scare you. And now you need me. If I do a passive intervention to you, again, manipulation is not bad. I crack people's backs. If I need to, if I need to, it's just getting it moving. But if, if you found that I made you feel better, the next time you hurt, you got to come back to me. 
versus if I figure out it was a movement thing and here, hey, look, yeah, we had to push on you a little bit, but look, you're getting the same outcome doing it on your own. Keep doing that. You're not freaked out. And I had a case um, that changed my career. She um, came in and she kept going out. Chiropractors keep going out. She's like, it's not working. I go, what do you do for fun? Tell me who you are. I want to know what you do. I love my grandkids. Awesome. What's their names? So my names. I go, so what do you guys do? She's like, well, I love playing with them, but I just can't. I go, why not? She goes, because every time I get down the floor to play them, my back goes out. First off, I'm like, just trying not to shout out. It doesn't work like that. I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean it goes out? Well, I hurt. I go, okay, straight up, hurt to move. That's fine. But that word out makes you think something's slipping or moving or out. I've cut up, cut apart and took place in cutting apart 16 dead humans in grad school. Little old ladies to take their spine apart takes a bone saw and a chisel. These don't go out. Does it move poorly? Yep. That same lady responded really well just to some prone press ups. Like she, she didn't want to show me. I go, can you please get on the ground? I go, I need to see what I need you to show me what hurts so I can see if I can change that. If you want me to, I go, I do please. I go worst case scenario. I help you get back in to not hurting. I go no better place to hurt yourself than with a therapist present. She got down and was bending down. Oh, that's it. I feel that there. I go, okay, come back up. And she struggled pushing up the table. I go, lay down and do this. She pressed up, maybe like 15. I go, is that hurting you? She goes, no, it's getting easier. I go, come back up. Get back down the floor. She got back down. She got back up. She goes, oh, it didn't go out. I go, you weren't moving well. I go, but you just fixed yourself. I go, so you know what? I go, do this exercise before you get on the ground playing with your grandkids and do it when you get back up. She came back and was a totally different person. She didn't fear her back going out. She knew she could control it. Yeah, it wasn't moving well. The chiropractor was helping her, but it was so passive. She had no way of helping it. It's completely different. Man, if a chiro is giving you an active treatment, but helping some hands-on techniques during the, the way, but the goal is to get you out of their office and never to see you again, I like them. If a PT tells you that it's your, your damn piriformis, one more time, I'm going to freak out. But if it's your damn piriformis causing this and you need to come in and be stretched and massaged by them, that's no better than the chiropractor popping them in. You're not coming up with a solution for the problem. You're giving a, you're giving a passive treatment. And the way I look at things, if I have a patient coming back in multiple times and it's not changing, I go, apparently I'm either not understanding it, they're not compliant, or something else is going on here besides just movement. So again, back to the whole Cairo versus PT, I'm like, no, they should both be up to date on the research and they should be implementing that, re- that in a clinical-based uh, way. And they should be getting better with time and helping the patient take control of their situation. All right. What else we got here, Josh? What um, questions? I do have one question that I get asked all the time. Sure. And one, I really like that Cairo versus PT thing. So the moral story is basically if they're uh, if they're good at what they do, they're both great. <laughs> they should be driving the patient to get themselves better. Again, I tell every patient, I hope I never see you again for this. I truly mean that. If I need to see them, they, they have my number. They get a hold of me. But I look at it like this. If I truly understood that situation, I truly fixed it, and I, and, and I did a good job educating the patient on understanding, hey, listen, you go to the dentist, you have a cavity, they're not saying come back in four weeks, let's fix another one. They're going to tell you to brush floss and along the way to prevent it from coming back. That's the same way for me. And anyway, do I interrupt there? I completely agree. I mean, I have the same same mindset with personal training. My goal is to not train you for the rest of my life. My jo- uh, goal is to teach you how to train safely and effectively and get your goals and then have you just do it. Yeah, and they might need a, a follow up like, hey, make sure I'm on, on track here. Mm-hmm. But it's not the constant you need me to Hold your hand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, you're not helping anyone. You're just making money, which isn't the goal. <laughs> well, I, I, I was saying, I, I'd rather, I don't know who came up with this, but I'd rather see 12 new patients than a patient 12 times. Now, I get surgeries and stuff that's a longer recovery. And I have a lady right now that more of her pain is concept, like it's, it's more related to the other things in life than just her, her back. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't move well. So I've seen her like a lot. I think mean, I've seen this, my longest running case right now, like 22 visits. Which the national average is 18, but for us, we ours are usually six to eight visits are on their way, unless it's surgery or unless it's a real chronic thing. But again, it's just get the patient back in control, let them take control and have a life again. And the, the physical therapy position standpoint is improve the quality of life through movement. Mm-hmm. I want you to go live a life. Now, how does the gym play into this? This is a really good thing. So we know, so if I have a patient seeing me, they're hurting. I very, very seldom see someone that doesn't hurt. Even though physical therapists are not pain specialists, I'd be damned if not every single person comes in with pain yep. through movement. So we get the patient in an office and they're, they understand their condition. Say it's a mechanical movement thing. And for some reason, they need this one simple stretch to help get their back better. I go, yeah, if your back gets stiff, you're going to do that. But what else can you do to reduce your reoccurrence rates? And people go, yeah, I don't, I don't have this again. I go, get active. 
Now, people go, well, what's the best exercise for my back? The one you're most likely to do is the answer. Through the research, we haven't really found that, you know, we used to think core stability training was like the thing. Mm-hmm. If anybody wants to go down that um, avenue, look up a gentleman named Peter O'Sullivan. He was one that did some research early, I want to say 90s, early 2000s, where he did some research and he found that these patients were getting better with core stability exercises. You need to strengthen your core. Let it play it out. Redid his study. Guess what he found was no longer valid. He was one of the first ones to go, guys, what I thought worked doesn't work. I need to move on. Now, you got to give someone credit for that, that has a paper out and research and been practicing going, I suck. I reevaluated. This ain't working. Mm-hmm. And now he even speaks a lot and he goes, no, that doesn't work. Now, what we did find is there's some subgroup of people with back pain when you're with a therapist and you go, you're safe to move. Let's move. And you do anything with them. They're going to get better. So that that's fine. But what about the ones who don't? That's the ones I see. That's I'm like the third therapist to see them. And they're like, I got to do therapy. I'm like, listen, if we don't find nothing. You can fire me at any point in time. But I have to understand your condition before we can just throw random intervention at you. Again, if you go into the office, any any PT clinic, you take a look around. And no matter what the diagnosis is, they're all doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. They're selling you therapy. They are not truly any better. Again, most people can be fixed if you know how to fix it. But just going, well, you have back pain, so we do these exercises. It's like, well, it's like going to the, this is exactly how it is. Go to the ER with chest pain and they go, well, we do these interventions on people with chest pain. You're going to walk out. You go, no, is it indigestion or a heart attack? Those two things are different. One requires this, one requires that. Think about it that way. PT is medicine. It shouldn't be one size fits all. Mm -hmm. Even though some of the bigger box stores try that, not to throw them under the bus too far. Sorry, I get on a rant. I'm passionate about this because I do this every day and I actually see how impactful it can be to patients. You know, when you have a patient that's been in pain for 30 years and no one's listening to them and you figured it out and you're like, I'm not that smart. Mm-hmm. I just am the first person to listen to you. You realize that this can be very impactful. I mean, a lot. It's, no. Um, I differ with the not that smart thing. Just so you know. Well, I, there's a saying I, I, I love and I didn't come up with it. It's if you're the smartest person in the room, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong freaking room. Yep. I luckily have a fantastic mentor and hopefully Adam doesn't listen to this one who constantly is challenging me. But I just had a patient, a patient right now we're looking at and it appears to be a, an SI joint problem, which by the way, way overdiagnosed. <laughs> way, I've had one in two years. That's true. Most times it's lumbar, but they present very similar. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard to, you have to have some good clinical tests to differentiate. We have those. You just need to find a therapist that knows them. But I'm looking at this patient, I'm like, I uh I know what it is about how to fix it. And I told her this was like Thursday. I go, you got to leave. And I'm going to call you in a few days. Why? I go, because I don't know what to do, but I have to reach out to someone smarter. <laughs> so I got a hold of a gentleman in Atlanta that I know that has seen more of this than I am. I go, hey, I know what it is, but I can't fix it. What do I need to do here? And luckily he sent me some of his research. I'm like, great. Called the patient. I go, come in Tuesday. I need an hour with you. I got the research. We're going to put the article up and run through it together. So again, not the smartest person in the room, but I know smarter people. And if I'm not getting you there, I'll find someone that can. Um, one thing here that I wrote down was the, um, home remedies. So most people don't want to spend the, the money, whether it's a copay or deductible or just cash rate to come see it. Like they don't want to see if they can fix it on their own. Like mm-hmm. uh, most people you get moving, you're fine. We've already gone over in this podcast, the scary things. Don't mess around with that. Like if you have a bladder issue, like for example, my back started hurting. I can't have pee coming out now. Problem. Go to the ER. We have 72 hours to relieve that pressure. or We're going to have long-term effects. But most patients, they don't have leg symptoms. They don't have bladder symptoms. Again, they are. They need to evaluate. Don't mess around. We're talking permanent damage where just because you were cheap. <laughs> but if you're just, my back hurts. Yeah. Well, what can I do? Well, one, a tincture of time, which I, I don't remember who told me that. I think Dr. Eppel was quoted for saying that. Sometimes just give it a little time, get a little rest. Things are strained and sprained. Give it a little time, TLC. If you're getting a week out and you're still having problems, and some people go, well, I got on YouTube. YouTube can be a fantastic source of good. But the problem is most people don't know what to decide out is good or bad. Same way with WebMD. Like if you get on WebMD, you get to the bottom of that thing, you have cancer. <laughs> it's like you have freaking cancer causing your pain. Every time. It's like, oh, well, I have cancer. But try to get back into movement and getting progressively worse than you probably worked up. But most people, if they just don't freak out about their pain, gently move. Um, one thing in the United States, I love this country, but because we are a capitalist, it's a good nature. We try to sell someone everything. I mean, 
I pay attention to it. I see all the time. Like literally I'll see an Aleve commercial tonight. So if you sell this, this will fix your back pain or what's a lidocaine patch I just saw the other night. Put a lidocaine patch on your back. I'm like, okay, passive treatment. Uh, how about a TENS unit? I go, you see, you're just going to shock your fat. That's fine. It's literally these, these interventions have shown to not be very good. And again, it's backed up here. Passive interventions don't really work well. Or people, how about like balm? Like you can rub it on there and you might make it feel good until you finally get back to moving and you're fine. But they truly have no major effect on like helping you. So like modalities and stuff, it's not going to fix the problem, but it might give you some pain relief in the time where your body's going to heal anyway. Right? So people go with high, high heat or cold. I don't care. You know, knee replacement where we have a lot of swelling, let's go ice. But when it comes to back pain, you know, most things passively aren't going to work. I mean, they're, they're no longer supporting the research and we actually make fun of it at our clinic. We have a big board, a board behind our office that says days without use of passive modality, like days without a fall at the hospital or days since last work incident. Because we don't do any of that because it doesn't work. Sure, it makes people feel good feeling, but again, they come in with, when our patients are coming in with five years of pain, I'm like, there's no ultrasound that's going to fix this. <laughs> Sorry, your back's not pregnant. Surprisingly so, enough. Yeah. But um, most most people should should rest at ease knowing that if they have back pain acutely, meaning less than a week, they're likely I'm just getting better than they're great. If they are subacute, now we're talking months, less likely to get better on their own. Chronic, for sure, they're going to need someone to help them. If you're looking over three months of back pain and you haven't been able to figure a workaround on your own, then you probably need help. Just rest alone. You'll be, you should be okay mostly on your own. But if not, I'm here. Um, I think that covered most of it. I think the takeaway would be, you know, when, when, when a therapist goes, I don't know, I'd have to assess. I don't know. Like each, each type of driver of pain presents differently. Mm -hmm. And I might have to freaking test some stuff. Like that lady, my friend with um, the back pain, I moved her a crap load. If it was some nociceptive issue going on, whether there's a strain causing inflammation or just the mechanical pain, literally in mechanical pain, take your finger, pull it backwards. That hurts. Let go of that. Hey, it doesn't hurt so much. <laughs> it's not inflamed. You put some mechanical stress on those nociceptive nerve endings and they go, that freaking hurts. Stop it. I can make those hurt in clinic. I can find something that hurts you. And if I can't stress a tissue and hurt it, it might not be the tissue. It might be something else driving the pain. So again, you need to know someone that understands pain. And again, there are so many people smarter than me um, at this, but you need to have someone that has an understanding of what could it be. And if I'm not finding it out, I need to at least keep digging and to the point where I can no longer dig and then I need to find someone smarter than me. But if you're, if you're therapist, Cairo, whatever, has a hammer and sees everything as an L or her, does the same intervention on everybody with that condition, they are not up to date. They should be. The, the, uh, again, I feel like that's a perfect representation of like, yes, there's good Kairos. Yes, there's good PTs. Yeah. But there's also not so good. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and one thing too, so Adam and I uh, recently went to, luckily we were be, uh, we asked to go because uh, we thought we could help the resident students at Union Hospital. Uh, they're, they're graduate, they're doctors in their residency to give a presentation over this because your family doctor only really gets a small tidbit in time about musculoskeletal. And that's not just back. That is shoulder, knee, toe. And not just major from a musculoskeletal, like conservative PT. They're looking at everything. Like when they have it, like their, their course on this, they're getting... One course on what I get for eight years and my whole life of practice studying after that. So it's like, sometimes they don't know. And sometimes they need help. You know, I work with a couple of family doctors and I go, I'll be your filter. I go, I literally have time as, many, as much time as I need to, to sit down with your patient and work this out. I get a patient for an hour or more. I usually schedule my evals an hour. I go, I'm going to sit down here for an hour and figure this out. And then guess what? We found something. Come back in four days and we're going to see if that pain through. Family doctors get 15 minutes. They cannot assess you. They're going to rule out scary things. So, mm -hmm. well, my doctor did an x-ray, gave me naproxen, sent me to you. I'm like, well, they made sure you were safe. They were covering their ass in case it was inflammatory because that's going to knock that out. And you're going to come tell me you're way better on that and I know something. Or you're no different. And now I have information knowing you're not chemically irritated most likely and you're safe. But pa patients sometimes get frustrated. Like, I've had back pain. And saw Ambicare. They gave me the shot. They told me to go follow up my PCP. 
took two weeks, got in, and then took another four days to get in you. I'm like, yeah, no, it's frustrating. It? Most people, you know, give your, give your doctor a little bit of credit. They have to know everything. Mm-hmm. I'm blessed enough. I don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> I know musculoskeletal. Um, on that same point, and this is off topic, but I also want to mention that it is very frustrating that they get like two weeks of nutritional training. Oh, that's so infuriating to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys, you have more than me. So like I, I push that out. People are like, what do you think about diet? Or like, what do I do with my diet? I go, oh, I'm an idiot with that. Same way as managing your high blood pressure. Don't ask me. Let me get you to someone who can do a thorough job with you. I mean, that's the family doctor. There's a reason there's so many specialties. Mm-hmm. And then off topic for back pain, but there's a reason people are frustrated with, oh, the doctor saw me. Now they're sending me to a rheumatoid doctor. And then this doctor and this doctor. It's because they're trying to do best by you. But a lot of my patients, what happens is I get them chronically. So my typical day isn't just someone with back pain. I get someone that's been to their family doctor. Family doctors tried something, didn't work out. Then maybe the family doctor tried to manage it and they sent them on to physical therapy. Um, if it's a good therapist, they cleared it up. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't, say they had, or they didn't buy into it or they did chiro or whatever. And it might still be something the PT needs to see, but it gets moved on to pain management. Pain management looks at this and they go, is there anything scary? Well, let's try conservatively, send them over to PT. Okay, now I'm like the third or fourth person to look at this patient, if not the third therapist. And they already have some misconceptions, beliefs, like therapy ain't going to work. I'm like, it might not. And one of the first things I ask my patient, like before I ever start assessing them, I go, do you think this can get better? If they answer no, I don't even proceed. I go, come back when you have hope. Come back when you at least are willing to try. Because if you don't even think it's going to help you or there's no chance in hell, what's the likelihood on you going to be like doing the act of stuff at home? None. But again, be nice to your family doctor who's trying to figure out with your sending to pain management. Back pain, again, the numbers earlier, it's a problem in developed countries. And a lot of it can be fixed conservatively. About 20%, I can't help. Statistically speaking, you know, regardless of my quality of how good of a therapist I think I am, or I'm trying to be really, um, I tell every patient I'll be better tomorrow because I'm going to learn from you today. 20% can't get better, need something else. But damn, 80% I'm likely to fix. Start with PT. That's why you'll actually see on TV now, choose PT. If you watch, if you watch commercials, uh, I watch, I have an antenna, so I don't watch cable or anything like that. I'm too old. Um, I don't have time. But you're seeing choose PT and, and, and you're seeing it going in a good direction. You're also seeing that we're done with opiates. Like we are getting close to being done with opiates. We cause a problem. We cause more problems with opiates because it's not just we have to deal with an addiction now. Now they have a rebound effect where the pain experience is worse. You get someone on opiates, when they get off them, their pain is worse because the opiate desensitizes them. So it's like we did this to ourselves. Pain pills are not great for management, but when a patient has no other options, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. That's a, if no one can ever figure them out, listen to them, make them a zombie. No one's hurting when they're stoned. Exactly. Anyway, I digress. Anything else that I think the viewers would like to hear about back pain? Um, it's complex. That, that's the takeaway. Today. We are on a cutting edge of understanding pain science. We are understanding their subclassifications and that's supporting the research. Just make sure who, that whoever is going to handle it for you is listening to you. Because mm-hmm. if they're not listening, they're not catching the small things. Very true. Um, just make sure whoever it is you're going to for help. And I think that goes for any field, really. If you're going to someone who you don't feel likes listening to you and you're going to them for some kind of help, Rather it be for physical therapy, chiropractic, uh, personal training, whatever it may be, go somewhere else. Yeah, some, <laughs> find some of the values your time as your value in theirs. It's not hard. Mm-hmm. Now, in, in our field, um, I don't, this isn't a business plug, but the bigger box stores, I had a friend, let's put it this way. I had a friend that um, he graduated PD school and went and worked for a national chain. Um, let's call it BTI, you know, not to get myself in trouble. Seeing 32 patients a day. How the heck am I going to pay attention and catch those little factors when you tell me and just talk conversation, I'm picking up little things where you're like, I'm very afraid to move all those little, little subtle hints. If I'm seeing three people at once, how? it's impossible. Mm-hmm. You know, I think your time is valuable. You can do it one-on-one. You can, it's just a lot of the big box stores. They, they aren't bad therapists. Okay. The business model is wrong. If my indicator of success is the number of people I saw that day and the number of units I built each one, those two things make money. If my measure, and this is literally how we measure at the clinic, if my measure is outcome and lack of drop-off, I did a good job. If you're dropping off, I, apparently my report with you sucked or you didn't believe me. So we got to keep that low. We have a patient once help, we got to fix them. But two outcome, are they getting better? 
we measure literally when you come to our clinic, everybody comes in first thing or one of the things they see after you see Emily is a tablet and it has like three questions after first, first day it has more questions on there. Get, you know, who are you? Mm-hmm. How's your pain present? Well, how does it demonstrate? But three follow-up questions every single time a patient comes back in, they get the tablet first thing come in. Am I better? Worse? No different. Basically we ask three things. Where's your function since starting therapy? Where's your function? Zero is no better. Hunter's doing everything. They got to report that. Two, they got the pain. Where's your pain on the scale? And it's a sliding scale. There's a picture on it. It's a really good piece of, uh, really good tool to catch this. Third one, what percent are you better back to your normal? Okay. Every time. Luckily that software and then measures every visit. If by visit, I think three, I'd have to look at the system. If you're not like 50% resolved, it flags us. It goes, hey, by the way, lunchtime's coming up on Monday, which actually I'm leaving here in an hour and going to be doing grand rounds on a patient. We round over that patient. Why aren't they getting better? What are we doing? Again, the focus is on the patient, not everything else. Mm-hmm. And I always, I mean, you've talked about this off there. I truly believe that if you, you focus on what's important, the money will follow. Mm-hmm. And then again, what does that look like? Good care for a patient, good, pay, good care for a client. But you're saying you're not being listened to, but you have to go somewhere that actually going to care for you. 100%. All right. I got nothing else to add on back pain. However, if anybody has any, um, you know, I have a lot of people that go, do I need to schedule an appointment? I go, well, call me first. Let's talk about it. It might not be, it might be one of those things that's not appropriate. Again, our phone number at the clinic, 812-645-7100. Adam and I will both be happy to talk to you. Hear your story, really. That's the first thing I want to know who you are. Um, Because I don't even know if I'm appropriate for you. But also, joe at valley.rehabno.com. I can answer your emails there. The worst thing I tell a patient, I go, well, that sounds kind of funky. I need to see you. Or I might tell you, well, no, it sounds like this. But again, today, today I, I should have prefaced this at the beginning. This is all just advice. This is not to be taken for one patient's case specifically. That requires medical attention, which needs an assessment. So again, all this information today is just letting you know where we're at kind of in the field um, and what your, th- what your healthcare provider should be looking for because you're important. And, you know, back pain might not seem important, but when it's the number one cause of disability, I think I, I think it shows that we need to address it. Definitely. I would 100% agree. And if you want any of that information, like to reach out to Joey, you can find it below um, and you can reach out to him with anything. He'll let you know. I'd be happy. Any of the research I quoted there, I'd be happy. I had all the articles on my computer. I'll just email it to you. That way you're like, what's this quack saying? He's he's making me question everything I've ever learned. I'm like, well, I do that every day too. I'm trying (laughs) trying to get better every day. I'll, uh, I can even put that below as well. So okay. if you want to do research, you can just click the links below. Um, thank you so much for joining us today, Joey. And Hopefully we help someone. The quiet intern that has been in here the whole time. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, Joey, I'm sure we'll be here in the future and we do plan on doing some clinics here in the future as well. Uh, seminar style. Just got to uh, figure it out with the babies. Yeah. I'm just gonna watch the kids from the, that day. <laughs> exactly. Got to plan around the schedules. Uh, but until next time, stay dedicated. Thanks everyone.